Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Listen to it. You're more likely to hear a reflection of real life and 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same You could never understand Feel the fortune flowing You know it isn't stuck The heritage of the horse is uncanny. Though adopted from nature, the horse was suited to urbanism of the most refined character. The car, which was bred by industry, is fatal to urbanism, causing sprawl and freeways. Gratefully, the silent industrial successor to the horse, the pushbike, maintains its resistance to the automotive kingdom and still champions the legacy of the horse. Right, slow that cadence down. Sit up a bit. Get your heart rate under control. Breathe. Now, step away from the bike. You're tuned to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Podcasting, streaming, or listening to the training in the kitchen. Got a big show coming up. And we first of all welcome and say very thanks to Amy Goodman for Democracy Now!, one of the greatest long-running programs in Radio Land. And we say good morning to Faith. Good morning. And good morning to our special guest who's going to talk about big sky riding today, Will. Good morning, guys. There we go. All wrapped up on this beautiful day here in Melbourne, just a gentle little westerly (laughs) breeze with a little touch of precipitation behind it. It's a perfect day for riding from the north to the south, Faith. It was. It was a very good day for riding from the north to the south. And an engaging ride on the way home. It will home. be, totally. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to touch on a few topics, but mainly we're going to focus on um, Will's ride from Alice Springs to Adelaide, and as well as a normal roundup of news and events and controversial topics happening in the bike world. <laughs> That quote this morning comes from Robert Nelson, and that was from a review of a... There's an exhibition on it in the National Gallery on horses. Very uh, rare to find a nice quote about bikes <laughs> in a review on horses. To Robert Nelson, we salute you. <laughs> now for that time when we delve back into those lovely moments on a bike, that bike moment, Faith. Oh, I think uh, it was... 
on the weekend yesterday um, and uh, very similar to this morning coming down here but more pronounced, just one of those times where uh, after riding north with the headwind for a while you turn around and ride back south again and uh, get that flying feeling. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Will, you must be full of bike moments. <sighs> well, I thought I'd better draw on my uh, recent trip. Um down from Alice, and so I, I rode out of Alice Springs uh, pre-dawn on the first day, um, hit the dirt road about 20k south, heading out past Alice Springs Airport. I didn't really look back for a good 40 kilometres or so, and uh, the track started to get a little bit sandier, I was sort of getting into the edge of the Simpson Desert a little bit more, came over the top of a dune, and uh took a moment just to pause and look back and uh i couldn't see any form of civilization anywhere <laughs> behind me and as i looked ahead all i could see was a sandy track heading out into the horizon ahead of me and i realized the adventure i was about to uh <laughs> undertake and um yeah there's a, a little bit of nervousness in me that um Went, okay, this is the moment. And uh, I had about two weeks ahead of me to get to Adelaide. <laughs> I can't see where I've come from. I don't know where I'm going. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is about the journey, nothing yeah. else. <laughs> oh, lovely story. Uh, we all hate bicycle thieves. Not really. Mm. Sometimes people who steal bikes probably need them more than we do. Yeah. Sometimes losing a bike is a little bit of a cathartic moment. You um, come to terms with um, an idea that you need to detach from some things. Anyway, there are not very many happy stories mm. about stolen bikes. I want to relate one happy story. A lovely person buys a brand-new bike treasures it it's quite a nice bike it gets stolen and luckily the bike shop he bought it off keeps a record of the serial number of the bike um customer rings up make sure he's got the right serial number two weeks later the police ring up after having a look at the bike and tracking down who stocks them in melbourne with the serial number bike owner and bike a reunited classic bike moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not often that it ever happens. And good on the... Um, the um, it's a little bit uh, above and beyond what um, uh, Victorian police usually do, is usually it's mm. just a mm. flick pass and, you know, serial number doesn't matter. Here's somebody who obviously um, thought about it and tracked down who actually sold them, and there we go, you find the bike in amongst the customers. Mm. I'm going to relate another story about stolen bikes too that somebody told me. The police pulled over somebody riding a bike with a baby seat on it. He happened to be 16 years old and um, pulled him up and, and said, why did, why did they pull him over? And he said, because it was very unlikely that he'd be riding around with the baby on the back. <laughs> Obviously somebody else's bike, yeah. which gives light of that old uh, maximum if you want to make a bike steel-proof. Put a baby seat on top of it. News and events, Faith. News. News. Mm, news. Um, there was a... I think last time we were in Val, we talked about the um, 
push to get uh, separated bike lanes on St Kilda Road. So there was a little news item in The Age last week um, where uh, the government is, as in Vic Roads, um, opens the door to new bike lanes on St Kilda Road. It's a, a fairly vague offering at this point, but uh, Vic Roads say they will build five kilometres of separated bike lanes along St Kilda Road to protect cyclists from motor traffic and uh, parked cars if a study they are conducting finds that it won't cause severe traffic congestion, which it, uh, I don't think it will since it's mainly about removing parking. Mm. So uh, that study's uh, underway and, um, yeah, depending on the results from that, they're uh, going to build the 5.2 kilometres from uh, the city to St Kilda. Good work. The clock starts ticking now. <laughs> I hope I'm alive when it gets finished. Um, if you've been watching the Vuelta, it's turned into a fantastic race, actually. Um, Chris Froome had to retire during the week. Jonkman uh, Rodriguez won the stage last night. The important thing is there's a great stage coming up tonight. There's about six climbs in it. It's a long stage, probably the major stage of the whole race, so... If you want to sit up at night, be very well worth listening. Mm-hmm. And just, bef- just before uh, forget, if you're sitting alone and have nothing to do at home and you're not, you like reading things about bicycles and people, uh, we made a reference, I think, uh, Faith, you might have been away, the anniversary of the uh, discovery of LSD happened some stage during the year, and so we talked about uh, Albert Hoffman and his famous ride from Basel home on his bicycle under the influence of his the new drug there's a wonderful article written by will self that you'll find on the web that is recreates the ride from the <laughs> laboratories <laughs> through basil wonderful read if and you get a chance there is also a very beautiful little uh, animation being made about that ride which um if you trawl through the archives on the Treadley website, that's one spot where you can find it or Google around and uh, you might find it somewhere else. Ah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm, yeah, very, I'm really watching yeah, nice it. little film. <laughs> one other tiny piece of news. It's a very localised thing, but I thought worth mentioning. Um, I discovered a, a, a community bike share the other day, which has been in the spot it is for quite a while, but uh, is hidden by parked cars. If you're a regular rider on the Brunswick Shimmy, the corner of St. Philip's Street and Glue Street in Brunswick, uh, there's a couple of bikes leaning against a rack and a board attached to the fence, and it's a uh, take a bike, bring it back. And someone has, since it started, donated another bike to it. So there's a nice little initiative. Um, If you are ever bikeless one day, you don't have to go and steal one, you can borrow what a Good wonderful news. idea. Yeah. Uh, what's a, there's a park in the Netherlands where they have all the white bikes just parked at the gates on the outside. So you just grab a bike, ride round, drop the bike back. Doesn't matter where you drop it back. It's a great system. We'll be back with a bit of big sky riding. Promote your community event. Be it a rally, meeting, fundraising gig, call-out for entries or piece of agiprop on 3CR's online community calendar. 
not-for-profit community organisations and activist artists are invited to upload community event information and event poster or photos. Go to 3cr.org.au and click on Add Your Community Event Here on the right-hand column under Community Events. 3CR, spreading the seeds of dissent. And you're listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR here in Melbourne. As we uh, mentioned at the start of the show, we've got Will Hartnett in the studio and he's going to be talking about bike adventures and specifically one he took over the winter um, through Central Australia. Hi. (laughs) So, Will, I guess it's... uh, one of those questions, uh, you could have gone for a, a nice ride through Gippsland or something. Uh, in the, First of all, why Central Australia? Uh, well, yes, you're right. I could have gone for much easier bike rides. Um, I suppose that it's sort of the Central Australia has sort of enthralled me for years and um, there's a lot of history, uh, a lot of ex- explorers, went into that region in the 1800s and prior to that it was an Aboriginal trade route. So um, a lot of history out there. Um, I've spent a lot of time in South Australia, um, both living there and as a tour guide. So yeah, there's a lot of interest in the area and uh, I'd driven down the Udnadatta track um, on several occasions and I just thought, you know, just to take it that little bit easier uh, on a bike... Um, take it a bit slower, see, see what's out there because driving along anywhere at 110 kilometers an hour, you don't tend to see as much as on a push bike. So, uh, yeah, I think the idea came about probably about 12 years ago and, uh, sometimes these things don't always happen as soon as you think of them. So, um, yeah, finally found a bit of time to, um, get out there and do it. Yeah. When you went over that first ridge and you mm. could see nothing behind you and nothing in front of you, mm. what was the next thing that popped up? Uh, there's a lot of sort of little Mesa hills that, you know, would have been formed in the last ice age. Um, you got the Fink River out there, which is one of the most ancient rivers in the world. Um, so that's definitely helped form the landscape. So there's definitely some hills out there and it's not as flat and desert-like as uh, one would imagine. So there's plenty to keep you uh, entertained out there. Yeah. Now, let's get down to a couple of, <laughs> you know, physical things. How many mm. k's? Uh, 1,800 kilometres. Average per day? About 130 to 140. A day? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Were you on EPO or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so, I mean, that was, yeah, they were big days, um, you know, probably riding for 12 hours with a few hours breaks in there. Yeah. Um, got a fairly good headlight that runs off the dynamo, so there were some nice evenings when the uh, the wind calmed down a little bit, stopped blowing on my face, where I decided to sort of go for a nice two or three hour night ride. Yeah. Uh, which was fantastic under the night sky, lots of stars. So, yeah, that was, you know, some of my greatest, best moments, I think, of the trip were actually those little night rides. And was there more wildlife at night? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't really see it. <laughs> <laughs> or hear it. Um, uh, look, I probably the most disappointing thing is, despite the fact that Australia has the most wild camels 
in the world. I didn't actually see any. So uh, uh, early one morning, I was riding off the edge of Lake Eyre. I chased two dingoes for a while. I sort of, I think they looked at me and thought, "Oh, what's going on here?" And I looked at them, going, "Oh, two wild dingoes. How's this going to go?" And um, you know, they're pretty mangy and. Uh, Obviously, kind of scared of this big bloke on a bike and um, ran off and uh, happened to be riding in the same direction of them. So, gave him, gave him a bit of a chase for a while. And, oh, sorry. Um, are you riding on sand? Uh, a little bit. So, sort of up near Alice Springs, um, the road to Fink follows the uh, Fink Desert Race Track, uh, which is a bit of an event they have every year. And, a lot of that's quite sandy, so there was a good 90-kilometre section of quite sandy roads. Um, the bike I had had three-inch wide tyres, so it sort of helped float on the sand a bit more. Uh, and other than that, there's sort of just sand blown onto the tracks, which are pretty rough and corrugated, but quite rideable. Much, mm. uh, dare I ask, much, mm. many cars? Um yeah, so I mean the Udna Data Track is the alternative route to the Stuart Highway and is pretty popular with four-wheel drivers. Yeah. The tracks I took earlier on through to Fink and then following the old Garn Railway route are fairly remote and I was probably only seeing one to three cars a day for that first couple of days. Um, and then beyond that, you know, Udna Data Track's uh, fairly, fairly busy. Uh-huh. Tell me, um, just to get back to the equipment side of it, mm. um, how much water did you have to carry? Uh, about 10 litres. So uh, that got me around about 200 kilometres, sort of day and a half worth of riding. Um, took a lot of freeze-dried meals, which just, you know, needed yep. a little bit of water to reheat, and the rest was for drinking. So, And so a little bit of cooking equipment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I presume just a swag and yeah, yeah, just a, a roll out little one man tent. It was quite light, um, a sort of mid weight sleeping bag. You know, being winter, it was a little chilly at night. So, uh, and yeah, you know, there's places to get food along the way. Udnadada, Mari, so a few spots out there. So this this is a bit different to sort of touring where you slap on panniers front and rear. Mm. Your bike has no panniers on it. No. So um, that was, I suppose, one way of me reducing the amount of stuff I took so I could do some big days on the bike. Because uh, essentially to pack with four panniers, you're going to end up with a lot of gear and you're probably only going to be doing about 60 to 80 k's a day. So everything gets exponentially heavier when you you <laughs> when you're uh you know doing slower days so uh no panniers uh part of that was the idea that if i had to push the bike through the sand that um the panniers aren't going to get in the way of me being yeah. next to the bike so in a part from the big tires or well the mm. big tires are an essential part of it anything mm. else that makes you know Somebody, somebody's listening and wants to do something like this. Mm. Anything else apart from that that they really need to focus on? You um, mentioned the power sort of thing, so you yeah. can still ride at night. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, solar panels help as well um, for charging any devices. Uh, I took a spot tracker, which allowed uh, family and friends to check where I was along the way. Um, I think my dad had quite a bit of fun uh, looking at that every day, checking out where I was. And, uh, you know, it gives gives uh, a bit of security to those at home that are a little concerned as to how I'm progressing. So The dingo's got my will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us about Lake Air. It must be uh, oh, an astounding yeah, yeah. place. Absolutely amazing. So... That was uh, <clears throat> probably yeah the highlight. Um, I that was really the main goal, I suppose, was to get out onto the edge of Lake Eyre and right around the edge of it. And um, I really wasn't sure how that was going to go. Um, and I sort of told myself that if I got to William Creek and I was feeling pretty knackered, that I should probably not go out there. Um, when I did get to William Creek, I was feeling pretty naked. I'd been uh, riding into headwinds for days, but uh, I decided that, you know, you, you can't let that get in the way and um, I had enough food and water and resources to make it happen, so I just pushed myself that little bit further. Um, and, yeah, don't regret it for a minute. Um, the evening I spent out on the lake and then... The ride around it in the morning as the sun came up was, yeah, out of this world. It's sort of the most amazing morning of bike riding I've probably ever experienced. So, um, yeah. A bike really, moment. The really, bike moment. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, really, really happy that I pushed myself to, to get out and around yeah. the lake there. So. And it's... I know, you know, it's the thing about Big Kai, if there's nothing mm. from one horizon to the other, mm. yeah. everything looks completely yeah. different. You know? yeah. And, I mean, even though the 20 or 30 kilometres into Lake Air, I thought, ah, oh, next little rise, I'll see it. No, next one, no. <laughs> and, you know, it was 30 kilometres of just these tiny rolling hills before I actually saw the lake. Uh. Uh, and, you know, standing on the lake at 10pm at night with... Uh, the stars around me, I sort of felt like I was standing on another planet, to be honest. So besides, um, you know, the physical challenge of big mm. days and carrying your gear and that, <clears throat> doing a trip like that, especially doing it by yourself out mm. there, I mean, it's it's a lot more than the physical challenge, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've got to continue to push yourself to get further. Um, you know, I quite often do big big days rides like this with a lot of uh, friends and um you know you, you're kind of pushing each other and um you don't want to be the one who's last so that sort of keeps you going and keeps keeps the momentum of the day but uh when you're on your own i suppose you just it's you against the elements and uh you got to continually push yourself forward to um you know make the kilometers and uh so there's a lot of mathematics going in my, on in my head. <laughs> at, at this current speed, I'm going to do this many Keep yourself entertained. Yeah, maths. exactly. So, um, I'm yeah. not going to be home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. How long did it take you to recover physically? Um, oh, look, not too long. I spent a good week in Adelaide afterwards, uh, hanging out with my parents and um, eating their cupboards bare. <laughs> um, and... 
I suppose, you know, the next few weeks after that, um, my legs felt powerful, but, um, you know, 300 metres later, I'd feel the lactic acid build up and go, oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, the muscles are strong, but the rest of the body's telling me just to slow down a bit. Tell me when you're riding along, do you actively, <clears throat> I know everybody does a little mm. bit, I'm feeling good, but I need to actually just bring it back a little peg so I'm, I've got yeah. something left there all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I remember the day that I was riding to Udnadatta from Hamilton Station. It was about 110 kilometres, but um, checking the bomb when I got back, the uh, average wind speed that day was about 60 kilometres an hour in my face, and so I was not going terribly quickly. And, uh, you know, when when you're riding into a headwind, the uh, energy required increases and the water you need to drink increases, and so I was sort of having to manage the fact that I could run out of water and uh, so I just needed to peg it back a little bit so I could just keep sipping away and reach Udnadatta with, uh, you know, a water bottle full of water as an emergency. Okay, and if anyone would like to uh, check out some photos about your trip, they go mm. up at commutercycles.com.au. Yeah, just in the in the news section, uh, we've put a little blog post up there with some photos from the trip and uh, in the process of writing a little story about it, so you'll be able to read a little bit more about it up there as well. And we'll put a couple of little photos up on uh, yep. the podcast. And if you're thinking of doing one of these rides, as Will said, mm. you need about 12 years planning to get it organised <laughs> and get and, your and stuff. And to be good at maths. And be good yeah, at good at maths. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think actually probably doing it alone would be better than doing it with somebody else, I would imagine. Yeah, I think there was an element of uh, just being able to sort of set my own pace and rhythm every day uh, I really liked. Um because, you know, I think some of my friends are a little bit better at riding a bike than I am, and I always sort of feel like I'm just off the back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was sort of nice to feel like I, I didn't have to keep up with the bunch or, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't waiting for anyone either. Mm. So. Have you got another one planned? Oh, everyone's asking me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking a more leisurely, uh, leisurely ride with my partner in Europe again soon. I think that'll be... Uh, Probably the the next next uh, little bike ride. Uh, <clears throat> Will, thanks very much for sharing. It's a great Cheers. story. Thank thanks you. very much thanks for, for sharing having me. With, no, that's great. Um, <clears throat> events, faith. There's not much on the list. There's yeah, everyone's in that sort of. It's all about to happen, but it's not quite happening yet. Um, on September the twenty third, which is a Wednesday, is the first of the Hump Day Pump Day sessions at Essendon Fields. Mount Buller have brought down their pump track. And you'll be able to have a go at uh, riding it. That's uh, Wednesday, the 23rd of September at uh, Essendon Fields after 5.30. There's uh, music, food, drinks. What's the, the whole pump thing. track? It's a – you want the technical description? It's <laughs> a wobbly-looking track <laughs> that you ride around. Oh, yeah. But it's it's got uh, – Must have a look. Those uh, – if you thought there was a connection between riding a bike and sailing a yacht, and not many, but there is one coming up at the end of <laughs> September. That's Sunday, the 27th of uh, September. Wind in your sails, it's called. And there's a ride from, 
I think it's from the Botanical Gardens just down to Albert Park. A little bit of a barbecue and a couple of sailing lessons. Had a fall into Albert Park on a Sunday morning. Have a look at uh, Bike Fun, you'll find the particulars in that. And I think it's a paid event too. And also coming up in terms of time to register is the bright 24-hour mountain bike race. That's going to be on the 14th and 15th of November. Um, registrations are open now and, and you can do it as a 24-hour endurance event or you can do the Esprit de Corps version, which is where you and your friends ride a bit and enjoy bright a bit. Beautiful Let's spot go. to camp. And just before we close down this wonderful show... Just remember, if you forgot to give a donation to 3CR during the Radiothon, specifically Yarrabug, you're never too late to do it. No. You know, just jump in there, $10 here, $20 here, everything counts. Every little bit counts. And that's all we have time for today, 3CR and the Yarrabug Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.